All right, everybody, welcome back to episode five of No Dog in the Fight, the Jeb Board Media Spectrum Fantasy Football Spectrum. Podcast. The Spectrum, yeah. I believe that's a good way to, to explain it. Uh, this is Grayson Applin uh, alongside me, as always, is Nick Noah. And then we also have the mascot of the No Dog in the Fight podcast, Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> Since he likes to get on camera near about every time we do this. Yep. So Ranger's um, a good boy. Yeah, he's a he's a goofball is what he is. He he can't stand it when I, we get on here and we do these calls and it's you know, we get on here for Jeb board, we get on here for no dog, and you can usually sit him sitting about right here. Mm-hmm. And it's usually just like the top half of his head. He looks like an alligator in the water, just kind of looking back and forth. Yep. And it's funny. He'll sit here, and usually whatever I have on the screen, whether it be football or whatever it is, he's usually sitting there watching it. So he might as well be a play-by-play analyst. Yep, and if you ever see a white blur uh, behind me, that would be uh, the other dog in No Dog in a Fight, Atlas. He's (laughs) never sitting. So, uh, yeah, you'll probably never see him because of how much he just can't sit still. <laughs> yeah, well, Rangers, he's he's lazy, man. He uh he, he when he sits down and I'm back from work, you know, whether it be three hours or thirteen hours, you know, he's he'll get up and he'll run around a little bit and then he's usually like he is right now and just kinda laying right on me. I just called. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just called. Oh, that was beautiful. I did not think that through. All right. Well, <laughs> yeah, leave it in. Um, well, all right, Nick. Well, let's get into our fantasy football for the week. Um, as always, you have the floor with the studs for the week. Yeah, and so before I get into them, uh, I was kind of telling uh, Grayson beforehand that, you know, when I do the the studs, I don't always just pick the highest scoring out of each position. I, it's more of a thing where um, – it, it does go into it, obviously, but I really try and look and see, like, who's kind of surprising, who who scored more than, you know, they usually should. So if they're in, like, the top three, top five, and it's, like, a name that it's like, okay, that was a big boom because they were not expected to do that, that's going to be my stud. So to start us off is Josh Allen, and he, you know, he's expected, but, I mean, again, this year quarterback play has been down, but for quarterback to score 40, uh, I mean, he had 39.66 points. If it wasn't for the pick, he would have had 41. Uh, but Josh Allen, uh, he had a huge game against the Eagles, who has a really solid defense. But, I mean, he had a great game passing, 339 yards and two touchdowns with the one pick. But he had the 81 yards rushing with two rushing touchdowns as well. That that really kind of set him, set him well, apart. And Nick, has there, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but other than maybe like Lamar Jackson one week, there really hasn't been like quarterbacks that are sniffing that 40 range this year, is it? CJ Stroud. Oh, yeah, CJ Stroud. Yeah. A couple weeks ago. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I feel like last year you were seeing, you know, Justin Fields like go for 40 every three weeks. Yeah, and you, you yeah, just guys had like, like yeah, Mahomes. You you had so many players that were just out of nowhere dropping forty, and this year we've I think we've had three in total. I think you're uh, right. 
And I and technically, I don't even think Stroud ever reached forty. He was in that thirty-nine area, and I mean, Josh Allen, he's he's in that thirty-nine area. So I mean, it's really like just quarterback. And I, when we talked about it before, just quarterback plays so down as far as fantasy goes. So uh, next for running back, we've got the return of Kyron Williams. Not only is he the you know the unexpected, but he was the top scoring running back. Uh, and Kyron Williams, he had a really big game. He didn't get a rushing touchdown, but he had 143 yards uh, rushing off only 16 carries, but he also caught all Dang. six targets for 61 yards and two touchdowns receiving. Mm-hmm. So he had 38.4. So that was a huge, you know, if you had him off IR and you kept him on your bench, I know you're you're reeling right now because, you know, that, that sucks. Uh my wide receiver, he was the wide receiver three this week, is Rasheed Rice uh, for Kansas City. And every week we kind of, you know, I don't know if we ever actually say it, but we keep kind of inching towards the, okay, maybe he's wide receiver one at Kansas City as a rookie. Because, we, you know, we see Kansas City's receiving quarters. They lead the league in drops, uh, and, and it's bad. But Rasheed Rice has been a, a, a glimmer in the dark. Uh, for that wide receiver room, he had eight catches, 107 yards, and a touchdown for 24.7 yard or points. Well, and and going off what you're talking about too, and this is just kind of a spite thing to say for me, but when Mark, Mark when Marquise Valdez Scantling is an option, that's that that's not good. Obviously, he you know dropped that pass. What was it this past week and bashed his helmet against it, and people were saying, "Wow, we're surprised he held on to that too." You know, when he bashed his uh, helmet against the wall. I mean, it's just like they're outside of Kelsey, which you could consider not in the receiving core. Rasheed Rice has been that bright spot, but you know they went into this into this year thinking Kadarius Tony was going to be the guy, and you, uh, yeah, I I definitely did, and it just it, that did not pan out at all. So luckily, luckily they they have found something in Rasheed Rice. I know Sky Moore hasn't planned that up. Panned out as well as they had thought to. So, uh, I, I think I think I think a very good pick for a sleeper draft. Like we, you know, we talked about that episode one. Is whatever receiver Kansas City takes round one or round two because you know one's got to be, be coming. Yep. And you know, you you mentioned Valdez Scantling. I feel like Valdez Scantling is very overrated in a sense of. He caught that uh, one of the Hail Marys, I believe, from uh, Aaron Rodgers at Green Bay. And Aaron Rodgers kind of made him, in a sense. And when he went – and he he had an okay season last year, honestly, at Kansas City. But I just feel like he's a very overrated player based on big height plays. And in my opinion, just like George Pickens, but we'll get into the – well, we'll just talk about that later. Yeah. Um, well, and going into this, just because I hate Marquez Valdez Stanley so much, he had one week where he had 17.4 points. The highest total he has had after that was 6.8 against Detroit week one. He has not scored over five points in nine of the 11 games that he has played. He had three targets, zero catches against Philadelphia, and then this past week, he had one target, one reception for negative one yards. 
safe to say he's not going to be in our waiver pickup segment this week. Yeah, sell him for a bag of chips and some pocket lint. Yeah, no, I'd just sell him for a roster spot at this point. Uh, yeah. you somehow have him, you, you're either a huge Chiefs fan or you're Marquez Valdez Scantling. You auto-drafted so, and never yeah. looked at your league again. Yeah, so. Um, but at tight end, I, I did split them. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I did not want to give one over the other because I feel like they're of equal value. Is first, I talked about Pat Fryermuth uh, returning from IR. Matt Canada's gone, and you know, very low expectations for the uh, Steelers' offense just because of how bad they've been. And you know, they lose their offensive coordinator. He comes back first week and catches, you know, nine catches for 120 yards. Doesn't score a touchdown, but scores 21. And technically, he is the number one tight end this week. Mm-hmm. So that was extremely impressive uh, for him to come back and, you know, not skip a beat like that. And plus, I mean, uh, very few other Steelers uh, receivers have had over 100 yards this year. So for him to come back that quick. And another guy that I want to talk about is Tyler Higby. Uh, again, this is not me saying, oh, everybody needs to go pick up Tyler Higby right now. But he's not scored a single touchdown all year, but he has started every single game. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's been their starting tight end. It's not like one of these guys that, you know, gets activated from the practice squad and all of a sudden, oh, you know, here's, you know, whoever. Tyler Higby's been playing all year. and He just hasn't scored a touchdown, but he scores two in this game and has 19.9. So uh, he, he was a big, uh, big impact player, but I, I doubt many people started him unless they're in a very deep league uh, where you have potentially two tight ends starting. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he, he was definitely a bright spot in the tight end group this week. Yeah. Well, I guess that'll get us an hour, uh, duds this week, starting off a quarterback. Um, man, Tua, uh, Tua heard a lot of people this week, including me, um, against the Jets. I mean, not, don't get me wrong. The Jets defense is not a bunch of slouches. They are a decent defense, but you would think with, Tua would at least put up his projected, you know. Um, he had 7.82 points in a PPR league, uh, 243 yards passing, uh, one touchdown. He had two interceptions along with that, had a uh, fumble as well. So he, again, he heard a lot of people this week in terms of his overall play. And, like, I mean, what killed him, let's see, Two interceptions and a fumble. That's negative six points right there. So he uh, realistically, he still only had about 13. So I don't know. It's uh, the Jets defense is good. Don't get me wrong. But in the same token, it's, I mean, he, he, he still got to hit his projected on that with, with how highlights that the Miami defense is, you know, or offense is. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, moving on to running back. Uh, it, it feels like I'm just picking off my team at this point in time. Uh, it's Saquon Barkley. Um, against New England, the worst team by far in the AFC East, potentially one of the worst teams in the league that's going to have a top, potentially three draft pick. I only had 12 carries, 46 yards. One, re- uh, one reception for six yards. No touchdowns. 6.2 points total. He – I just – I, I don't I don't get him, man. 
I, I don't get him. He came back so strong off injury and was averaging about 15 a game, 15, 16 a game, which is fine. That's, that's, that's great. 7.1 against Dallas. Okay, it was Dallas. 30 against Washington. Okay, now we're back on track. Went to uh, – they weren't even in New England. They were playing in New York, which, I mean, okay, okay, whoop to do Boston, New York, okay, yeah. same general area. Weather shouldn't be a factor. He goes out 46 points – or 46 yards. I wish he had 46 points. So, yeah, it was just a brutal week to have him on your team. Another person to have on your team, a brutal week. Uh I picked Cooper Cup as my dud just because of his name. Uh, honorable mention on this is Adam Thielen, who only had one reception for like nine yards. Um, but Cooper Cup this week, who, by the way, has not performed at the level that he has he was projected to, especially in fantasy, basically after the second week he was back week six. Yep. He, he has not scored more than seven points since week seven, and this past week he had 4.8. And if I'm not mistaken, no, okay, I thought he was I thought he was our dud last week, but Garrett Wilson only had 0.9 points. But, yeah, 4.8 for Cooper Cup, three receptions for 18 yards. I, I don't – I don't, and I don't feel like it's I, – I just don't know if he's not getting open or, if he, like, he, Stafford's still not really targeting him. Or what? Obviously, a lot of it went to Higby this week. And I know you got Puka Nakua that's out there, and then Kyron Williams is coming out of the backfield. But Cooper Cup's been a staple in that offense all, all like since basically he's been there, you know, uh, even on the, um, uh, the Super Bowl team. And now it's to a point where he's a almost a non factor. Even, on, even on, in a game against Dallas where he had 10 targets, he only had four receptions for 21 yards. So, finally, uh, it gets to our uh, tight end. Oh, looky here. We're back on my team again. Um, George Kittle. Uh, he, that man coaxed me into playing him so hard. Past, I've sat him for the past three, almost four weeks. Yeah, I sat him the past three weeks for sure. 23 points, 20 points, 22 points. And against Seattle, five targets, three receptions, 19 yards. 4.9 points. I don't yeah. I don't understand the disconnect there. I, I, I just – I don't. I, I don't get it. You were talking about, like, boomer bust players. He is the definition of a boomer bust player. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, he uh, – God. He either, he either scores you 20 to 25 or it's less than less than seven. He has boomed six times this year, which is hard to believe. Well, actually, it's not because he boomed probably week eight, week 10, week 11, week five. One, two, three, four, and maybe week three. But then he's also busted twice, which I don't see how he's just busting twice. Yeah. And I'm sure the, the, the times that he busted – was the 1.9 points and the 1.1 points in week four and week six. But I consider 4.9 points against Pittsburgh a bust. 4.9 points against Seattle a bust. Um, even six points against the Rams, I would still consider that a bust. Yeah. So I Anything don't know. below nine, in my opinion, is a bust for George Kittle. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Considering that he is – what? He, he can be considered a top three, top four tight end in the league right now. Between 
Kelsey, Hawkinson, Andrews, Kittle. There's four guys right there. You got guys waiting in the wings like Sam Laporta. You know, Evan Egram's not the best guy, but he's pretty consistent. He'll get you anywhere from nine to 12 points a game, but maybe pop off. But I just, I don't get where the disconnect is, man. I don't know if it's just because once those, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, where Brock Purdy has these weapons and those weapons come back, you know, Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey both kind of injured. Um, when those weapons come back, Kittle becomes a non-factor or what? But, I mean, it, it's it's just it's phenomenal how volatile his point scoring is in, uh, in fantasy. Yep. Well, moving on into waiver pickups, um, we really only have one, and it was the guy you mentioned earlier. Uh, yep. I mean, we got him for both of them. I mean, nobody really impressed us this week. There really hasn't been a lot of guys that – are still on the waiver wire, but I mean, you brought him up in the studs. You take it, uh, take it away. Yeah, it's Pat Fryermuth again. Uh, and with waiver pickups, it's not really a gamble because I'm not, we're not saying he's a lock to start, but Pat Fryermuth without Matt Canada now could open up and some of the best advice that I've ever gotten from fantasy like when you know when I several years ago is if you play it safe then you'll be you know you'll be consistently like a a top five player in your league Mm -hmm. but you probably won't win you have to take risks and I'm thinking one of those risks is trying try if you don't have one of those top five tight ends is get Fryermuth right now. Yep. Get him if you're high on waivers, get him. Because he can be the difference. But because again, like, you know, he's barely played this year. So again, it's a risk starting him, but he has the chance to take your team to the next level you have to take that gamble whereas you know you've got other guys that you know you could start a a kittle for example um because he's a big name but he's just so it's a 50 50 shot if he's gonna score you know 20 or is he gonna score four but hat fryer move say you do have like a guy like higby higby is not scoring two touchdowns a game like he got that this one. So Pat Firemuth is a gamble, but you should definitely pick him up. And again, I mean, take a gamble. So the thing with Firemuth too is that it goes back to the whole Matt Canada getting fired thing. It has to be a difference in the offensive play. Pat Firemuth had this had almost as many targets this past week against Cincinnati as he did the, his first three games, first four games combined before he got hurt. Yep. In his first four games, he had 13 targets. In this game, he had 11. And blue, I mean, he tripled his yardage. And, I mean, he, he, had, he had more receptions this game than he's had all season combined. So, I definitely think that, I, I don't know what Matt Canada was telling Kenny Pickett. Like, don't check down, I guess. 
I don't know. Don't throw it to your tight end. Let him block. I don't really know. But Pat Fryermuth definitely seems like he's going to be more of an option now, especially for Kenny Pickett, who has been struggling under the Matt Canada offense. So still don't think he's a great quarterback, but I think that's going to open up a lot of opportunities for especially the check down guys, specifically Fryermuth, Jalen Warren, and Najee Harris. Do I think Deontay Johnson or George Pickens, is, their production is going to pop up any? Maybe a little bit, maybe like two, two and a half points. But I think the real growth is going to be between your, your tight ends and your running backs. And it's funny because you're going to have more production that way to those three people, simply for the fact that, you know, these receivers, like, yeah, you've got your George Pickens and your Deontay Johnsons, but they're not they're not making much happen right now. But if you need, like, you know, Kenny Pickett, instead of throwing it out of bounds, you do that three, four-yard check down like, like you were talking about, Grayson, is that that's going to get you that extra seven to ten yards. Because this was the first time of the season, correct me if I'm wrong, that they've hit 400 yards on offense. Yes. And that, fun, that's, fun that should fact. be a staple. Fun fact thing. about them this past week, up until the game yesterday, which I don't even know if they outgained, but every game they won this this year, they have been outgained in every single game. Yeah, this was the first that they outgained Cincinnati or mm-hmm. any team. And so, and this is the first game that they have been without their offensive coordinator. So, yeah. you know, I Kenny Pickett was lucky to get 150 yards passing. And First game without Matt Canada, he gets 120 simply just to one player. So that there's a direct correlation. So again, take your chances on prior moves. Yeah. Well, that gets us in the sell high by low. And um I'll go ahead and start with my sell high here, Nick. Uh go ahead and do your both because my sell high and buy low kind of play into it. Oh, each yeah, other. yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So my sell high. Again, this is the end of the season. Trade deadline's getting close. It, you got to take, you got to make big moves. I feel like a big move to make would be to sell high on Austin Eckler. I do not think his production. Now, granted, they've played two de- decent defenses this past week or the past two weeks. They played Green Bay, who has who's got a decent defense. Uh, Baltimore's got a decent defense, but he's he went three weeks against Chicago, New York, and Detroit, where he scored over 20 points each game. And then he had 7.0 and 9.4. It's not really looking good for him in terms of defenses that he's playing over, like for the rest of the season, whether it be uh, Saquon Barkley didn't have a great week, uh, week against New England. They're playing New England this week. This, this coming up week, Denver's defense. We talked about Denver's defense. They're playing up the par. Now, um, Las Vegas, he might have a good game there. But then he's got Buffalo and Kansas City. So I feel like if you would trade him and sell him as a running back number one and focus on his uh on his boom weeks, you could potentially get you a top I would say you could get a top ten wide receiver one out of that, or maybe a tight end. Um and then going into my uh by low, God, it was really a Toss up between any Washington receiver, but I picked the most consistent one, and it was Jahan Dotson. Um, 
he had a slow start to the year, like we talked about before the podcast, Nick. But uh, and I think he got hurt week ten. I think he I think he left the game week ten. But he's had t- over the past five weeks. 24.8, 16.9, 0 when he came out, 11.3 and 10.2. You could buy him as a depending on what you need, a receiver two or flex and you're not having to give up much for him I don't think. Because on paper, if you look at it, Scary Terry is the number one receiver there. And I don't even I didn't even I don't even know. I didn't even look what Scary Terry's uh numbers were over the past like couple weeks 7.3 9.3 and 9.0 yeah sam howell is actually spreading the ball out a decent bit amongst his receivers curtis samuel had 19 points this past week nine receptions for 100 yards so but the consistency is with jahan dotson i think if you pick up jahan dotson that like i said that could be a maybe a wide receiver too more of a flex position but that could be a guy that if you have someone like, I don't know, um, like a Marquise Brown or a, you know, or an Adam Thielen, you know, if you've got somebody or even a Cooper Cup, you got somebody that's not playing. I'd go Mark Cooper too. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. If you you have somebody that's not performing and only getting you four points and you're losing these games by ten points, uh, Jahan Dotson can make you a – can make a difference on your team. Yes. So, I'm I'm playing off last week. Uh, Derrick Henry is my sell high. Okay. Derrick Henry had a really good game against the Panthers, and I said that would be his – I said it was a hot take, and it still may be a hot take, but I said that's his going, about, going away farewell game. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the transition. This is going to be the last team that they play – with actually, like, you know, that he can actually get some yards because next games, he's got the Colts, the Dolphins, the Texans, the Seahawks, the Texans, Jaguars. And I don't think the Titans are going to get any better. And nope. so we've seen all season him start to lose reps him him not being on, on the field for third downs. And when they get down, he doesn't get the touches. And I mean, even in this game against the the Panthers, he he got the touches. He didn't have the yards, but he still had the touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Is very he scored twenty points, but had two touchdowns, so eight points without the touchdowns. And this year, I'm not relying on Derrick Henry to score the touchdowns every every game. Yeah, and so this stretch is going to be rough for him. So sell him high. And when you're looking for another running back to replace him and you want to sell low or buy low, excuse me, is his counterpart, uh, Tajay Spears. Mm -hmm. Because for the exact opposite reason of selling Derrick Henry on these third downs, when they're down, when they need a change of pace, when Will Levis is looking for an RPO, Tajay Spears is going to get about 10 touches for the rush and anywhere from five to seven receptions. Mm-hmm. And I think Taj now with this transition, again, with this tough schedule ahead, uh, Tajay's going to get a lot of looks because I think they're going to be down a lot. And when you have a team that's like the Titans that do struggle to 
put up consistently a lot of points with some of these higher scoring offenses, this is where you need to look. Get Tajay Spears for cheap before yeah. he before, before he basically pulls a Jalen Warren. Yeah, because Jalen Warren right now, you know, earlier in the year, he was one of our waiver pickups. I think he was yours, Grayson. Uh, And now, like, you know, especially if you have a dynasty league, but, you know, just thinking ESPN, your one year leagues, Jalen Warren, you're going to have to sell pretty high to get him or buy pretty high to get him. So, yeah, Tajay Spears, do it before he becomes the next Jalen Warren. Great. Well, that gets us to our final segment, um, best possible. So, uh, Nick, let's start off with the QBs. Let's start with you. Yeah, I'm going uh, – you mentioned him earlier, Sam Howell against Miami. Uh, I think the only way that the commanders can stay in the game is to keep up with Miami's offense, and the way that they do that is the passing. And Sam Howell has begun to spread the ball out. And whether that be passes to one of the receiver core or Logan Thomas, who's come on pretty decently as a top 10 tight end or Brian Robinson slash Antonio Gibson. I mean, he leads the league in passing yards. And so if he can throw a couple touchdowns in there as well, Sam Howell can be looking pretty solid. Absolutely. And, and the, the big thing with Sam Howell too, and this is just the product of where he's at right now. Um, He's thrown a decent bit of interceptions and taking a lot of sacks. His offensive line is not helping him out at all. So if he can find a way to limit that, I mean, he can go from scoring, you know, 19, 20, 21 points a game up to that 27, 28 mark very easily. Yep. Um, I pick Trevor Lawrence. Number one, Calvin Ridley is – looks like he's showing up again. Like, yeah, yeah, I know. I'm I'm saying that. Now I'm going to have to figure out if I need to start him. But uh, I guess he went and gambled a little bit and got his groove back. And now Trevor Lawrence is, is, or he's back on the team. They've had Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, uh, Travis Etienne. They've got a solid running game for the most part to kind of balance that out. Um, In the past five weeks, basically since the bye week, Cincinnati's defense, like just fantasy wise, has not not had over five points. They've got turnovers here and there, interceptions, fumble recoveries, yada yada yada, a couple sacks here and there. But the big thing was like against Baltimore, they allowed 34 points. They had three sacks, but no interceptions or uh there are no interceptions. Uh Pittsburgh, no interceptions. They had one fumble recovery, which doesn't reflect on the QB because I don't think it was the QB. Uh but they had two points against a Pittsburgh team that only scored 16 total points in the game. So I think Trevor Lawrence has a pretty stellar game against them. Um, I mean, against Houston, he had he had 24.56 points. And then the week before that, he had 32 against Tennessee. So I think that streak is going to continue. Um. My running back for this week, and I feel like this has been a long time coming for uh, this guy, Jonathan Taylor. I think you start him against Tennessee. Um, Man, it took him a minute to come back, but he's kind of been on a tear a little bit, not going to lie. 
Uh, over the past five games he's played, the lowest he's had is 10.7 in a week where he still had 95 yards rushing. I think he's going to run all over Tennessee. I think he's going to have a, a touchdown, maybe two, and he's going to start – and the touches have just – the carries have just went up. He started out with 18, went to 12, 18, 23, 15 attempts against Tampa Bay, but he also had two touchdowns. So I think he's finally saying, hey, I'm still the guy from two years ago. Mm-hmm. So give Good me pick. JT against Tennessee. Good pick. I'm going uh... – you know, surprising because again, he's just I don't know. Like, I feel like we do this every year. He's just a very forgettable player, even though he's like top five in the running back position is Raheem Mostert. Uh every year we do this when he was with San Francisco, you know, and, and now every year we're like, Oh, Raheem Mostert should not be the guy. But there yeah, here he is. And before you look, he scored 25 points, 30 points. I mean, he's been huge. And I think against the Commanders, he, he's probably going to have a big game. And my my thinking on that is that uh, I think the Commanders are going to focus a lot on the Tyreek Hill, uh, the Jalen Waddle, and – you know, ever since losing all of their defensive line, besides you know Jonathan Ta- or Jonathan Allen, mm-hmm. uh, they don't have a great linebacking core, and so Raheem Mostert catching you know a little swing pass or uh, you know even even just like an inside zone has potential to break away big and quick because he is fast. So I think Raheem Mostert could have a really big game against the Commanders. Um, following up on that is my wide receiver, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the Detroit Lions, they lost on Thanksgiving. I, I chalked that up to voodoo, whatever you want to call it. They haven't won Thanksgiving in six straight years, whatever. I don't think that puts any hindrance on uh, – the team itself because they have done you know outstanding they have the best record that the lions have ever had since i think the 60s so yeah you know i think uh they get back on track this week they're playing the saints the saints just don't look good in my opinion and as if you watch the jet board as is my whole opinion on the nfc south uh <laughs> but Monroe St. Brown should again just be right up there in the top four with fantasy scoring this year, if not number one, uh, this week. So I think he's going to have a field day against the Saints. Yeah. Well, for my uh, receiver, um, I'm going to take the uh, the LA Chargers receiving core whose name is Keenan Allen. Give me Keenan Allen, the number two receiver against a struggling New England team. This man has scored over 20 points the last three weeks, and he's had basically 15 over the past five. I mean, I think he I think he got hurt a little bit maybe against Kansas City, but this dude is putting up insane numbers. We're, we're not even talking about week three where he – had 45.46 points, but 22 points. Dude, 
over the past three weeks, 14 targets, 16 targets, 16 targets. He's had double-digit receptions in the past three weeks, and then he had, again, 18 against Minnesota. Against the new struggling New England defense, give me Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen's floor is most people's ceiling. Without a reasonable doubt. It's insane. Um, it is. For tight end, I'm going to go um, kind of the same route you did with receiver. Uh, give me Sam Laporta against uh, a struggling, struggling New Orleans team. Um, getting to see them play firsthand as long as uh, uh, Goff can keep the ball away from Teran Matthew. I think he's fine. Um, Laporta hasn't necessarily been all that consistent over the past four or five weeks, but he had eight uh, eight targets, five receptions, 47 yards, and a touchdown against Green Bay. I see no reason why he doesn't duplicate those numbers this week against New Orleans. I just – I feel like tight ends do play well against New Orleans, and this is going to be a week where he's going to be in that – between that 15 to 20-point category. There's no reason he shouldn't. Uh, so I branched out on mine. I, I wanted to be, you know, I'm sure Travis Kelsey's going to have a big game, but in the mood that I've already talked about taking risks is uh, Cade Otten. Uh, mm-hmm. Cade Otten's been, I mean, tight end one for the, the Bucks, but going up against the Panthers – and the Panthers are going to, again, game plan specific for uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And I think that's going to leave the check down, kind of like what we were talking about with Fryermuth, is I think you're going to see a big benefit from Kate, on it, Kate Otten and uh, Rashad White getting a lot of these check downs, especially because I, I hear uh, Baker Mayfield's banged up a little bit. Uh, probably still going to play. I mean, Baker's a dog. He he's you know he he's always been that player. He's gritty. He's going to play through injury, and so I think Kate Otten is primed up to have. I, I won't say the yards. He won't have the yards per se, but he'll have five to six receptions pro- for probably a touchdown and maybe 30, 40 yards. Um, but I think he's going to have a lot of these three to seven yard check downs given to him. Yeah. All right. Well, what you got for your flex? Uh, so this one I, I'm kind of excited about because I really like uh, what I saw is Devonte Smith. We've talked so much about AJ Brown and AJ Brown is, I mean, uh, a no, no brainer. A.J. Brown is demanding all of the uh, attention, basically, Mm -hmm. from defenses. And going up against a good defense like San Francisco, Charverius Ward is probably going to be on him all game, which leaves Devontae Smith, who has been very consistent. uh, He's going to get those second progressions kind of looks um, and so he can get a lot of yards after the catch. And again, we saw it against Buffalo. I think we see it again this week when San Francisco is game planning for Antonio or not Antonio Brown. Jesus Christ. Ugh. Wow. I've got his CTE. 
no, uh, AJ Brown though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and for my flex, um, I'm going to pick a guy that is not necessarily, he he's, he's had his ebbs and flows this year for sure. Um, and I feel like he's back on an ebb this week and, or I guess a flow this week. Um, Give me Isaiah Pacheco against Green Bay. Um, Green Bay is starting to look decent. I don't know how decent, but something has seems like it's changed a little bit with them. But one thing that I do think will be a constant is that we'll have a hard time stopping the run wherever they go. And if Pacheco can get the run game going and be able to have those the 15 touches that he usually gets usually maybe get about 65 yards and a touchdown and then gets as the big thing for him is going to be getting the ball out of the backfield, which I know is hard with Kelsey, but if he can get the ball out of the backfield or not even out of the backfield, just maybe like a toss or a pitch out to the flat. I think he can do damage. He, I mean, we have seen, he's a hard guy to bring down. You know, he doesn't run soft. He is very violent. So I think, if they are able to get him the ball outside of the tackles and let him get into the flats against these against these DBs and these safeties that you know aren't really used to the contact that linebackers and defensive linemen are, I think Pacheco could have 15 points easily. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, you you've seen just just like every single year, and I brought it up earlier on the Jeb board um, is just it's becoming a, a, a two man, you know, kind of thing with Kansas city and their running backs is you got McKinnon who really has not had the year that he had last year. Mm-mm. Um, and Pacheco who's becoming almost every down back where he's taking all the runs and now he's taking all the screens, uh, because Clyde, uh, Edwards Lair, we see it every year. And my God, he plays like the first three games wow. and Edwards Hilaire shit. <laughs> well, all right. Well, um, that ends uh, at part one and part two of a no dog in the fight. Episode five. Uh, go check us out on everything. Uh, you know what? Go listen to like the last 30 seconds of the Jebboard podcast. Go see where you can find us. Okay. It's, it's everywhere else that Jebboard's at. Okay. Uh, Just look us up on Instagram, Jebboard, whatever yeah. we are. Uh, yeah, go our board yeah. Just go to our link tree. That's all you got to do. All of us, all of it's there. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, all you casuals at home, thank you for listening again. And until next time, don't get faded.